What's transparent but opaque? Functional yet artistic? Miracle material of the modern age? Glass. This region was once the nation's glass capital, and this week on Inventing Pittsburgh, how the industry lives on. As people walk down Penn Avenue in Garfield, they likely don't see Jason Fork. He's standing two stories above them and balancing a near-molten glass tumbler at the end of a steel rod. Fork is Education and Creative Projects Coordinator at the Pittsburgh Glass Center. He picks up a tool called the Sofietta, a small cone attached to a short metal pipe, and puffs air into the glass to open it up. It hasn't changed that much in like the last century. The tools are, are very similar to what was used kind of in Roman times. Before technological innovation began to make mass production of glass possible in the 1820s, all glass was made this way, by hand, with an arsenal of maybe six or seven tools. In terms of all the major technologies for glass, even if the idea isn't burst here, it's applied here and bigger than anywhere else. The region was a hotbed of innovation. Anne Madaraz, Heinz History Center's Vice President of Museum Exhibits and Collections, says by 1900, more than 100 factories operated in western Pennsylvania, eastern Ohio, and northern West Virginia. What people need to understand is from the very beginning, production is not for Pittsburgh, not for western Pennsylvania. It's for a growing national market to the west. A gaggle of entrepreneurs couldn't have dreamed up a better spot for glassmaking. Easy access to raw materials, sand from the riverbanks, ash from nearby forests, and coal so abundant, one manufacturer likened it to dirt, and a command of the supply lines, the rivers. Pittsburgh had no competition. Glass from the east couldn't survive the rough overland journey. So that explains the meteoric rise of glass. But what kept it going? As American life changes, glass is part of those changes, is integral to new technologies. Rail cars required glass, sure, but so did the switches and signals and lights along the route. Cameras, radio tubes, syringes, all glass. Even now, smartphone screens are made of glass. Madron says there's also an emotional draw. Glass is interesting because it's an industrial story, obviously, but it's also a product that draws um, people's passions, that really appeals to us aesthetically. Nobody gets, I think, rapturous over a steel beam. At the Mount Pleasant Glass Museum, master glass cutter Peter O'Rourke looks fondly at the Christmas bells he made at Lenox. This town of 4,500 used to be home to three glass manufacturers. In the early 2000s, they all moved overseas. The question I always want to be asked is, why don't people appreciate it today like they did 20 years ago? I, I'm banging my head to, to wonder why. Museum CEO Cassandra Vivian says glass just isn't what it once was. We're a disposable age, so we need to fall in love with glass all over again. There are still Pittsburgh glassmakers. They've survived by specializing. O'Rourke now runs his own company, creating custom awards instead of presidential inauguration gifts. He sees older people come into the museum and wonders if it's a generational thing. Maybe younger people will grow into an appreciation for glass. The likes of me, was I'm too stubborn to, to move. I'm sticking with the old giftware and things like that. I love doing it, so I'm going to stick doing it whether you um, make money or not on it. For 90.5, WESA celebrates Inventing Pittsburgh. I'm Margaret J. Krause. UPMC is proud to support 90.5 WESA celebrates Inventing Pittsburgh. UPMC, life-changing medicine.